Hi, I'm Kieran Kumar, and you're listening to the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. Hey, are you or someone you care about considering, dealing with, or being through a divorce or separation? Well, you're in the right place. You don't have to do this alone. There are people who care and want to help. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thanks for joining me on the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. You are going to hear from our team of experts and professionals how to navigate this difficult transition in your life easier, more efficiently, and with better outcomes. Did you know we host online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome? Check out the links in our show notes and be sure and join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. I've got a special guest for you today and she is joining us all the way from Britain. Kiran Kumar is a phenomenal woman who is doing amazing things to help and support women all around the world. Now she's a podcaster as well. She has actually just launched her second podcast. Now the first one, You Are Not Invisible After 50, is where we met and I've been honored to be a guest on her show as well. So I'll put the link for that in the contact uh information in our show notes as well and be sure and check us out go to youtube you can see all of our podcast interviews on youtube and it's a way for you to have a chance to meet these amazing people okay let's jump in and find out more about kieran and all that she is doing in the world hello kieran i am thrilled to have you on my show i was so honored to be a guest on your podcast and we want to hear more about that and the work that you do to support women. But now I'd really like to introduce you to my audience and let them hear your story. I think it's going to be very powerful and very helpful and supportive to, to the audience. And I'm just thrilled to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining me today, all the way from Britain. Please tell us about yourself. Well, thank you, Dina, for inviting me onto your podcast. And, um, yeah, let's talk about a little bit about me. Not that I talk enough about me already. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so born in Britain, um, my parents emigrated from India when in late 50s and early 60s. Um, I was first generation Indian. And I was brought up in a fairly middle class family. Life at the beginning of my life was okay. It was good-ish. I say good-ish. There's a <laughs> word such as. Um, but I think at the age of 11, my father started drinking and it's taken me a, a long time to admit the fact that my father was an alcoholic. Um, and it's only through what I'm doing now that I can actually openly say that. Um, so he started drinking when we were about 11 to almost the time of his death, which was many, many years. And of course that impacted, you know, our, our, our life in terms of our social life, um, our family life, you know, um, educational kind of prospects. I mean, I was quite a bright child, um, but because the, the family kind of dynamics um, wasn't good and we were quite unhappy uh, because, you know, it was very unstable because you never knew what was the next thing that was going to come around the corner. Um, that also impacted um, kind of my marriage prospects. Um, my father was quite a traditionalist. Um, he kind of brought over the ideas you know, that exists in India when he was young. And he was quite young when they emigrated. My parents were married quite young. My mother was only like 19 years old. And I think my father was about 25. Um, so they still brought over the ideas. But my father, because he had two daughters, was very strict. And he didn't want them to go astray, didn't go wild. Um, and I was born, as I said recently, that I was born with this desire to be outside the box. And of ah. course, I was the one who always defied everything, who <laughs> wanted to push the boundaries, who thought outside the box. And that caused a lot of conflict in my family. Right. And so that was during my kind of early years, teenage years, you know, when I was in my early 20s. But I also knew that if I kind of 
didn't do as my father wanted, that I would either be disowned or probably be killed, to be honest, because he had a, quite a temper. And I just didn't want that. I didn't want to be disowned. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends because we did have a lot of friends because, you know, everybody avoided us like, like the plague because, you know, our family life was unstable. And so it wasn't an option. So I got married at 27. And at that time, which was over 30 odd years ago, maybe more than that now, you know, um, I had an arranged marriage. Um, and I realized even when the day I got married that this guy wasn't the right one for me. But I couldn't go backward because I'd already kind of <laughs> broken off one engagement. And, and I thought, this guy is not right for me either. But I was kind of pressurized, I would say, to marry this 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 guy, my ex-husband, obviously. Um, and that proved to be quite um, difficult. I suffered in a marriage for over 25 years. And I left my marriage at the age of 52, which is uncommon in our culture. Whether you be in India, whether you be in the UK, whether you be in Canada or America or anywhere across the world. 52 is not the time that you're actually leaving a marriage. Um, but I think my my children were so supportive and I felt that I had to do this. I had to do that because if I didn't do that, I would either die or probably kill myself because I was so unhappy. Um, and we all talk about my, you know, my marriage, etc. But it was the only option for me to leave, and I did. And to be honest with you, Dina, the last seven years of my life have been the best seven years of my life. And my children's, my daughter, and this is really where it hurts, because my daughter says, has said to me that the last seven years of her life now, the last seven years that we've been separated or divorced, <clears throat> have been the best seven years of her life. And that's wow. quite hard as a parent to hear that, because what was I doing before? But I wasn't in a place where I could leave. I wasn't financially independent until a certain point where I decided that I was going to be become financially independent. Again, that was my ex-husband's behavior that caused that, you know, that that um, incident to occur for me to make that decision that I've got to go back into the workplace. And I went back into the workplace at the age of 40. So here I was at 27 getting married, 30 I had my children, 30, 32. And then at 40, I decided I had to go back because my husband didn't provide for us the way I wanted him to provide for us. And also because he acted so badly at my father's funeral that I just thought, I'm going to, I'm just going to do something completely different. And I did. That was the, that was the, the point where I became worked towards becoming financially independent. And hence I could leave my marriage at the age of 50s, whatever it was now, 52. And yeah, I think, um, you know, that it, I just feel that it was a very difficult time, but I'm glad I came into the light and realized that this wasn't right. And now looking back at that, I wish I made that decision earlier, but I wasn't brave and I didn't, I didn't have the foresight, right? Then you don't, you, you look back and you realize, oh, I wish I knew then what I know now and I would have done things differently, but you, didn't, you don't have that. And uh, you just kind of go with it. But what I have realized over the last seven years, I've actually become me. I've actually just recognized who I am and, and stepped into my own power. And I'm so happy for it. I'm so energized by it. I just live it every day and I just feel joyful, which I never felt in my marriage. That is, it's, it's difficult when we look back. And I have so many parallels with your story that I, I can relate to that. And I think one of the hardest things that you did mention was when our children, we consider how this, you know, being in that abusive environment, that difficult space. And for that many years, uh, you know, mine was over 30 years. And I did speak to my children after when I started to realize just how this had impacted me more than I, than I even understood. And as I was out of it and looking back, like you say, when you look back, then you realize that you'd created an environment of hypervigilance for everybody, an environment that 
in order to keep the peace, the sacrifices that everybody was making and that you, you had communicated verbally and non-verbally ways to avoid triggering the abuser. And it's so difficult to think that that is the environment that your children were raised in and that has molded them. And I think that that is very difficult. And, and the guilt that we lay on ourselves, first of all, for allowing ourselves to remain in a situation like that. And then, you know, the guilt of what that has done to others. It, you know, it's one thing to accept the the damage that's happened to yourself. But then when you when you think of the collateral damage as well. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. And would you be comfortable telling us more about those years that that you were in that situation? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, this is why I'm here. Yes. Uh, and also, I, th I think what's what is the shame, really? I mean, before I even tell my own story, mm -hmm. is that I hear people's stories who are, I hear stories from younger people of my culture who are 20, you know, 10 decades, 20 decades younger than me. And it's really sad because the fact that they're going through the same thing. And you think, what the hell is going on? You know, why aren't people learning from this? And I think part of, and we'll talk about the work I do, but part of the, part of what I do now is like, hang on, I'm nearly 60, right? I have, a, I've learned so much and I need to be telling people who are younger than me that you don't have to do what other people want you to do as long as you don't harm anybody else. But the fact is that our traditions and cultures are so tight and they things haven't moved on. And I think that is so wrong. You have to move on with the times and you have to adjust. So if I tell you about my story, so I was 27. I just want to pause here, Kieran, because I want to commend you for being somebody who's willing to be a change to a culture that is deeply, deeply rooted in tradition. It's very difficult to be part of that generation or, or part of that movement to make that change so that it's better for others coming up. You know, we hear about some very pivotal moments in history and, and it's, it's interesting that where you are looking back and you're seeing that the younger generations are still locked into some of those traditions and you are willing to, you know, take some of that, the brunt of, of breaking that new trail. And I, I just think that's commendable. I just wanted to, to mention that here at this point. Well, I mean, thank you very much for that. I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, you know, you have to speak out because if you remain silent, you're part of the problem, right? Yes. Nothing gets changed. Nothing gets changed ever. Now, people have described me as being bad or, you know, angry or this or that. I'm none of those things. Vindictive or revengeful. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, but the fact is, I am who I am. I reflected on what happened to me. I certainly don't want other people to suffer in their own lives. I'm not saying that everybody should go out and divorce. I, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not promoting that because I wouldn't have wanted to leave my marriage if my marriage was okay, right? Mm -hmm. Why would I? Um, I'm a romantic individual. I am a Piscean and, you know, we are the most romantic people on the planet. But if, if it isn't conducive to you or your children and it's toxic, and it's painful, and it's hurtful, then you just have to get out. And what it did to me and my children, you know, there's part of me that I just, I, I can't take those years back. I can't take them back. And it hurts me as a mother, what I might have done to them, but, but they are so much happier. And it was my son who was in his mid twenties who said, mom, it's time to go, right? So he still he forced me out the front door because he knew that was just no good. And to me, I'm grateful for that because at the end of the day, along with my own thinking and his action, we actually made it happen. But if I tell you about my in-laws, so I married at 27, realizing from my husband's actions, even on like the wedding day prior to the wedding, oh, this is not the guy for me. You could tell that we weren't the same kind of mindset. And I thought he was, because he was an educated guy, you know, he got two degrees, you know, he was sold well to me, you know, like, you know, he's got a bright future, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem was, he may have been all of that, but he was terribly influenced by his family. You know, they, I describe them as a posse now, right? <laughs> there were like 20 
plus of them. And what really upset the Apple car? So they had these expectations that I was going to be X, Y, Z um, before I even came into the marriage, that I was going to be this dutiful daughter-in-law who worked because I already had a career, who worked, but was going to like shut up and do the work and, and you know, just contribute to the family and do everything else you need to do as an Indian daughter-in-law, but still go out to work. Okay, fine. However, it didn't work. It didn't actually work out like that because I was working. And then, of course, I, I moved towns from where I was to, to my ex-in-law's place or town. And they lived, he, they wanted their son to live with them, which is a traditional thing for most people. And in some, sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. In this instance, it didn't work. You know, my mother-in-law, her daughters, you know, the extended family, it just, I was just like the, the skibby, right? With, but needed to go out to work as well. I hadn't started working at that time. But six months into really finding a little bit about these people and what they expected of me. I'll give you an example. I was sick. So I got married in November of um, 20, or I can't remember the year now, never mind, it doesn't matter. But I got married in November. By December, I thought I'd apply for a job because I'd already been working for many years. And I got cold, didn't go for my interview, etc. And my father-in-law was telling my father that, oh, she didn't go for the interview. She didn't go for the interview. She didn't go for the interview. She didn't go for the, this was constantly coming up. And I went, hang on a minute. My father didn't ask me ever to work. Why is this man who isn't related to me telling me, you know, to go out to work? I need to work because I want to work. And I said to my ex-husband, hey, this is my decision, not your father's decision. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't, I would say, shut up about it. He didn't. But it kind of made me think what kind of people these, these people were. But having realized what they were like, I still got, I did get a job. But their kind of behavior and the way they wanted things done just wasn't healthy. So six months after I got married, I said to my ex-husband, I'd like us to buy our own house. Well, that was as one step that upset the apple cart. And it was the one step that changed the direction of my life and how people treated me for the next 25 years. My ex-mother-in-law put my stuff on the kitchen table, packed it all up one day when we were leaving that house to move into our new home, because my ex-husband reluctantly agreed to that. She packed all my stuff in bin bags, <laughs> plonked them on the kitchen table and said, said, off you go. That behavior, their behavior impacted my relationship with them. It impacted my relationship with my ex-husband and how he interacted with his family. He was the golden boy and he wanted to be forever seen as a golden boy. And it was all right to throw me under the bus each and every time. And hence, I got this label of being angry and bad and not being fit for purpose. And that's how they treated me for the like next 25 years and my children, right? Which were partially, partially, of course, mm -hmm. their sons, kids, mm -hmm. obviously, genetically. But his behavior got worse and worse because the more they put pressure on him, the more he, you know, um, swayed to their side and, you know, wanted to be that golden boy forever. And it was all right, because I wasn't related to the family, you know, I wasn't blood, I was really nobody. And it was just their behavior. But my ex-husband became quite toxic because mm. I, you know, if toxic runs in somebody's veins, it passes through and it affects everything else. And it did, you know, the way he behaved with me, the way he, um, you know, he would be out all the time. He started drinking at times, you know, I'd already kind of got out of the, that family life where my own father had been drinking. And then here's my husband. He wasn't as bad as my, my father but yes, and then once he knew that this thing got to me, he would do more of it, right? Mm. So that led to, of course, arguments and this and that. But also during part of my marriage with him, my weight fluctuated because I was very slim when I first got married. Then I had two children, you know, a year and a half apart. I put on a lot of weight. I was completely depressed. You know, I was isolated. My Nobody in my ex-in-laws wanted to talk to me. 
and their friends didn't want to know me because I was so bad. I was so bad, you know, like why would they want to know somebody like me? And so my weight fluctuated and that cheesed him off as well because, you know, I wasn't this beautiful, you know, woman that I was when I first got married, right? And this weight thing, he had a real issue with the weight. Um, so that alongside everything else, just caused friction and anger and resentment and bad behavior. And his behavior affected every part, a part of my life, emotionally, financially, you know, physically, you know, we wouldn't, he wouldn't touch me. You know, I was, you know, I was like, like this prior, you know, he didn't want to touch me at all. You know, I was so like grotesque and um, that was how I lived for 25 years. And it was, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking and painful. Yet I put up with it. Reason being that I couldn't go back to my dad. I had no, at one point, I had no money in my pocket. I didn't have even a 5p in my pocket because he had the control. And it was only at my father's funeral that I really had a wake up call. So I'm actually talking about this on my own second I'm doing another podcast so I'm talking about that incident at my on this other podcast but that that incident was that at my father's funeral my mother-in-law said to my ex-husband or said to my mother oh you're on your own now as my mother stood next to the casket you're on your own you know not accepting the fact that she'd got two girls and two um you know and grandchildren the fact that I she'd got girls only and no son you know, in our culture, oh, boys are better. And it was like, oh, well, you're on your own. Well, that's a an inappropriate thing, inappropriate thing to say to anybody at any time, right? But to say it when my, my mother stood next to my father's open casket is not the time. And because I reacted to that, they behaved so badly that my ex-husband defended his mother. His family refused pay their condolences for almost six months after my dad's passing and there was such a lot of conflict after that there was just like an air of poison and 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 you know it's just it wasn't healthy and um I was I was the one who was bad because I dared speak out and that was my that was one of my defining the defining moment where I realized fudge this you know like Here's this man who's supposed to be my ex-husband, supposed to be my husband, and yet he's defended his mother, who was totally wrong, said the wrong thing, uh, at a point where, it, you know, where it wasn't appropriate, and yet he didn't see that was right. You know, he didn't he didn't side with the right; he sided with the wrong. Right. <laughs> How dare I open my mouth? Wow. How dare I open my mouth? And um, so then I decided that I was going to go back into work and become financially independent. And I built a career of over 15 years to um, to the point that I could actually then leave my ex-husband. And it took me a long time to even do that, right? So, um, but I realized then that I had to do something. And during that course of my marriage, there were, you know, horrible words that, I mean, we're talking horrible, that's quite mild actually, you know, it was vicious. Um, one cause distress and pain um, I was left isolated, you know, removed from everything, you know, blamed for everything. And it was just constant. It was just constant, you know. And then just before I left him, he had this spate of like six weeks where he just thought, oh, I'm going to go and drink every day. And the more he drank, the more I kind of, you know, of course, I was angry. Um, but he did it more because it was out of stubbornness. And he's, his last words to me were that, I'm going to do what I want to do and you can't stop me. And my answer to him was, I'm not going to be here to watch you. And that's what I did. Ooh, that is amazing that you would have the, the strength and the courage at that point after being, you know, you're so mentally beaten down. You feel like you're entirely alone there's nobody that's got your back and supporting you through that and that you just you just found that strength and you started to create a life that you knew you could now leave and be independent and apart from that and uh how did that feel when you said those words when you were in a position to say i'm i'm done i'm gone you you're, um, you know you're losing that power over me 
in a way I believed it in a way I didn't I didn't right. you know again it was, was it was so difficult because you sometimes say those words but you don't do anything about it and I think it's always going from the um kind of known to the unknown it's like okay where am I stepping into because by that time my, pop, my father had passed away my mother was on her own and my mother after my father's death I become my best friend and um and I said to mom, I, I can't do this anymore. And she said, I told you years ago to get out of that marriage. And I said, well, can I come? Can I just now, I want to leave him. Can I come? And, you know, Vish is my son. I said, you know, they're saying, let's let's go, mom. Can I come to you for, for, the, for the moment? And um, she said, yes. And I thought, right, okay. And it was my son who actually packed the boxes and bags for me to leave. And we decided the day that we would go. And we told him he still didn't believe it. And then we just disappeared. We 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 went and uh, we went to my mom's. Um, and I stayed with her for a few um, yeah about about a year um, before I decided to kind of make my own home with my children. But it's interesting what you said, Dina. It's like yes, he. I became a shadow of who I was. Right? I don't even know who I was. I mean, there was no one there. I was an empty shell walking around heartbroken I mean I can feel I mean the emotions are still rising now right I was heartbroken I was destroyed by these people people who make you feel like you're absolutely the the shit of the of the planet you know that mm -hmm. you are not worth anything how dare somebody make you feel like that how dare they and with that with you know what how my father treated me and then my in-laws and my ex my ex-husband you know I just I just feel that that was so unfair because I wasn't any of that. And I always say that if you're going to, if you're going to kick a dog, it's going to bark back. Right. I mean, it's natural. You know, you're going to defend yourself somehow. And these people, especially my ex-husband, because he just wanted this power, there's a, this power that he was better than me. He was better. You know, he, 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 he sided with the many and not with the one. And that was interesting because the many were 20 plus people. And they all treated me like if I was dirt, you know, and, you know, conversations were had, you know, you know, presents were given, you know, it was just an awful, awful lot of stories where they made me and my children feel like we didn't belong. And we didn't belong. And we realized we didn't belong. Let me give you another story that my exit sister-in-law, when I decided to leave my husband, I eventually, as I was saying, I, was, I kind of left when I decided that I could make my own home. I actually moved into the same town back the town that my uh, ex-husband lived reason being I had a property there and my ex-sister-in-laws came around to see me and I thought why are you doing on my front door I've left you I left your brother and um she said can I take I'll, I'll give you my number now for 25 years she had never given me her number for 25 years she hadn't even called me by my name Kieran she never referred to me as to, to me by my name, she'd point to me or just look at me. And that was it. That was the type of person they are, they were. And because I didn't do what her parents told me to do, I was a modern woman and yet they destroyed a modern woman. And now, interesting enough, I'm giving it back because on my podcasts, I'm telling parts of my story. My book will come out at some point with them in my in my book right mm -hmm. because it's a learning for other people my other podcast is called shamelessly untamed and the reason it is is because why should i carry the shame of other people around it's not my shame they're the ones who misbehaved they have to deal with whatever i've got to say now and it's not like oh i want to it, it you know um destroy them or, or or hurt them in any way i'm just speaking my truth you almost destroyed a human being by the, your actions collectively and you didn't think you did anything wrong. And I'm sorry, but that's not how it plays out. And they silenced me for 25 years. Isn't it funny that the thing that I'm doing now is podcasting? I think okay. it's it's perfect. And it really fits the whole movement that you are getting behind that you are really heading in, in some ways, not only changes in culture, but specifically to women and how 
how it has locked them into some very awful situations like you and and you've been fair you've said it isn't in all cases and it's this isn't just an absolute but this is my experience and what would you estimate is the percentage of women that are experiencing similar situations and it's just kind of just accepted that that's you know that's where their life is and that's how it is and this is how it's defined that's how they're treated is are there quite a few women you know maybe it's like specifically to your culture and what you've seen with those traditions I don't think it should be just Indian culture I think there's many women of different cultures yes are almost in the same place right okay and the reason my podcast I mean the business I've started is empowering women regardless of class color creed and culture right because this this goes across the board right it's not whether you're an Indian or whether you're Uh, I don't know, uh, South American or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's across a lot of cultures. And so the percentage, who knows, right? Who knows behind closed doors? You know, everybody didn't know my story. My ex-husband's, my ex-husband's lawyer said to me, well, I'm leaving a marriage of 52. Oh, you don't live my life. You don't live live behind those closed doors. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know what's going on. And you know you would ha- you have to have a very very good reason to leave a marriage. Well, okay, yeah. some people have to have a very good reason to leave a marriage. I had to have a very good reason to leave a marriage, and I did. It was toxic at every level. It was poisonous at every level. It destroyed almost my me and mm-hmm. my children. And you can just see by my downward mouth that I'm still upset about what happened, and because it impacted me quite deeply and it's taken me a long time to get over it I'm not over it I'll never get over it because that pain is still within you and you know as I said Dina you know telling one of telling these stories or telling this story when you relive it you relive it to a certain point right and it brings out like what was that all about what was this crap all about why did I put up with it? But you did because you have to right? at that point. Or you didn't know anything different. Now, the idea of what you're doing, what I'm doing, is that there is a choice. There are choices. Now, it's up to an individual how they make it, when they make that decision, if they want to make a decision. But the fact is, you know, in our culture, you know, if you do something wrong, oh, you're bad. You know, you, you defy your mother-in-law, you're bad. You defy your husband, you're bad. You do this, you're bad. And it's not, and I don't want to put people into buckets, but the fact is the percentage is greater than it should be. Even if it's 1% higher than what you think it is, it's too much, right? Mm-hmm. And those people shouldn't be suffering. And also the fact that, you know, people, like, uh, like I was saying, that people who are like 20 years younger than me are going through that, or 30 years younger than me. Why are they? Why are they going through that? Because women of my age aren't telling them anything different, Right. And I'm not saying to them, leave your marriage. Just do what's right for you. Change the change the kind of direction of your life, right? You know, talk to your in-laws, do X, do Y, speak to your husband. If it's impossible, that's when you have to leave. You know, is it impacting you? Is it impacting your children? If it's impacting your children, you don't want to carry that forward. You don't want them to be affected by your decisions. And I... I, I felt that I stayed in that marriage too long and I wish I hadn't, you know, but I did. And, you know, I can't take that, that time back. Well, Kieran, it's something that I think we have in common as well, that we are, we just feel compelled to tell this story. And like you say, it forces us to relive it. Now, what was interesting about our conversation is your, your initial podcast, it's, uh, you know, you're not invisible after 50. That is where we met because Mm I am in a place now, it's part of my healing process. It's part of my way of, of helping others is to share, like I'm over 50 and I don't want to be invisible anymore. And it led our conversation naturally that we discovered this commonality of coming from some very toxic marriages and toxic backgrounds and how as much as you really just don't want to look at that anymore, you'd like to leave it. We feel so strongly compelled to speak up and to not be invisible and to share our stories. 
and hopefully to help others become aware because if we had heard more about the, what defines these toxic environments and how you know if you if things don't feel right why is why does it not feel right and to take a look at that to get out of it and others aren't going to know this unless those of us who are are willing and and brave enough to share our experience and in that way we also we do relive it it is part of our healing but it also does take us back there to a certain degree and that's how much we care to help those and and help make a difference for others is is by speaking up and i think what i'm curious about is how many other people have you had as guests on your show or you've had conversations about not being invisible after 50 and then discovering that so many of us are are struggling to allow ourselves to be visible because of a toxic background. Uh, I think, you know, people are invisible for a different for lots of reasons. And mm-hmm. the idea of you're not invisible after 50 came about was really because after my mother's death, I felt <laughs> another defining moment, not because of my mother's death, but what happened around it. And, and some of it I can't talk about at the moment. Um, but it also again showed me what people were about. And I was at the point that was when I almost lost everything. You know, I was put in the position where you either take care of my mom or, you know, you're not, you don't get, you don't get to do her last rites, right? Was what's thrown at me. And I had to, and I was sole earner. So here I was put in the position where you're a sole earner, your children are still at university or just about, you know, at the end of their academic year, um, I'm a university that depended on your income and you have a house and you give up your job what are you gonna uh, live on oh well doesn't really matter so I was at so people were out to destroy me right and and that again that's why I said it was a defining moment because at that time after my mother's death not only the grief I had to deal with the grief the loss of my best friend of course was my mom but the fact that I almost lost everything else um and I say by the grace of God, and it is by the grace of God, that it didn't happen because I came back up. I was still, you know, capable and working and I managed to get a contract and I went back into work and everything was hunky-dory <laughs> again. But there was a point where I didn't know what was going to happen and I was the sole earner. Um, so that was a defining moment. And I just felt that at that time that I wanted to do something different with my life, that I had to empower women because I've been so disempowered by different people during the various stages of my life. So Roaring Ahead, which came up, was my company, which is because my mother called it called me Cher, which is Lion and Indy. And I wanted to honor my mother, but equally I wanted to build something that was going to be a her legacy, my legacy, and something to help women right across the world, really. And during when that started, this idea fell into my head. You're not invisible after 50. Because at that time, of course, I was over 50. You know, I've been invisible, as you said, all your life. I've been invisible, right? I've been invisible all my life. And I felt, no, this is something I really want to do. And I just knew it. I just, you know, I followed my intuition. I knew it was right. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I believe in it so much that I trademarked it. And my son said to me, uh, what are you doing with it? I went, I uh, don't know. <laughs> However, starting a podcast. We're a third series in now, you know, top 10% globally. And, you know, it's become such a thing. Everybody who comes on it just loves it. But the idea was to change the narrative that exists in society in terms of, you know, women over 50 past their prime. Well, I haven't. You're not. And neither are a lot of women. So let's show them. Show them to the world that they, they we women aren't over, who are over 50 aren't invisible. And really now that has become the kind of, you know, that's part of the mission. But equally, it's interesting because I knew back then when I started the podcast that would do a second post- podcast as well. And I hadn't thought too much about it. I hadn't really realized what that was about. But during my conversations with women, I realized that we carry a lot of shame and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of kind of, we change to our past. 
And I thought, oh, this is interesting, because why should I carry the shame of other people when it wasn't my shame to carry? So I started a podcast just recently called Shamelessly Untamed, because, hey, I am untamed, right? Nobody can kind of go. I don't want to be in control. I want to be out of control in, in the nicest possible way. And again, that's about speaking your truth. And I think people have a right to speak their truth. So through both podcasts now, stories are being told about, you know, either my story or parts of my story. You know, people telling their stories on You're Not Invisible After 50. And it's about showcasing us all to change the narrative in the world, to change what has been and to make a difference in someone's life. Because... I realize that, you know, it's, 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 it astounds me that people who are 20, 30 years younger than me are putting up with such crap now. It shouldn't be there. People should have moved on. People, things should have changed. Why haven't they? Because the older generation are keeping to that and they get kind of stuck in their ways and they're not willing to defy society or speak out or stand out. Well, if you want to be a change maker, you do have to do that. And I don't say I want to be a change maker, but I want to create something that changes even a small shift in how the world is dealing with X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm going to unpack this a little bit, Kieran, because what I love is in a way, the definition of maturity is being challenged because there are, I want to use that word as, you know, kind of towards maturity can be assumed, you know, by the time you hit your twenties or your thirties, let alone the fifties and beyond, there's been this concept of how you should act or what you should have accomplished or where you should be in life or, you know, what you should just be content with and not be untamed like you experienced. I mean, that was labeled bad. That was labeled, uh, you know, you were, you were rocking the boat and you were speaking up and questioning things and wanting something different. And that was, that was the connotation around that was negative. It was bad. Mm -hmm. And we, what I love what you're doing is shamelessly untamed. I mean, that's just a beautiful way of describing how we can explore. We can be interested at any age and any stage of our lives and do it without shame and guilt and to resist being uh, loaded with shame or guilt from the outside world, whether it is our family, our our colleagues, our children, our you know our our influencers, or whoever that might be, and to challenge that and say, hey, no, let's let's applaud this, let's let's switch this. It's positive. This is growth. This is this is beautiful, and let's let's celebrate this instead of instead of crushing it. And I like how you said, like this crosses all cultures, all genders all ages and it's it's very important you know and and you're bringing a voice from your experience and and the guests that you bring then are able to also share other perspectives absolutely and i think you know it's interesting that you know in terms of you're boxed in if you if you um if you think outside the box and you behave slightly you know um uh, you, you challenge things, etc. That you're seen as bad. That isn't bad, right? I mean, the reason I did shamelessly untamed is because I thought, okay, I, I, why should I carry the shame and why should I carry the guilt? Why am I carrying other people's crap? Ain't happening. Why don't I just speak my truth, right? And I now come to the point in my life, you know, as I say, I'm sixty now. I come to the point in my life where I think, hang on, I should be able to say what I want to say and do what I want to do, as long as I'm not harming anyone else. Who cares, right? You need to push the buttons. You need to push for change. And I think the only way to do that is to be a slightly rebellious. And I, I've always believed that. I came out of, you know, I'm sure I came out of my mom being like that, and I did, <laughs> you know. But the fact is, I was meant to do that. And I was confined and restricted. And, you know, I was made to feel invisible. People didn't see me. They didn't literally see me. They ignored me. You know, my ex-sister-in-law wouldn't give me her number. Like, wouldn't call me by my name for 20 How rude is that, right? And now I've been called it out. I couldn't say it in that group because I would have been mm -hmm. hung, quartered, and, you know, whatever because of you know 20 people would have um spoken against me well i'm sorry my voice is louder than yours now people and you know it's not about getting 
getting them back in any way or form. The fact is I'm speaking my truth. You mm. disempowered me for so long. People are disempowered by other people. And why is that the case? If they don't cause you any harm, then let them be, right? Let them explore and grow and flourish and thrive and become who they want to, not become a wilting person or just lose their identity completely like I did. I mean, I didn't know who I was. I didn't, I've got no idea who I was. And I don't even recognize that person because I'll give you another example. I used to buy loads and loads of clothes. And it because it filled my wardrobe. So when I moved house, I was so, I was just kind of just taken back how much more stuff I bought over the years. And it was to fill a hole in my soul. That's what it, I describe it as. I don't buy now. You know, I actually wear those clothes. But the reason is I don't need that to fill my soul now. I've got what I need to fill my soul. This is what I do is filling my soul. Helping others is filling my soul. Speaking to others, get, seeing them grow. You know, it's, it's such positive energy. And I just think, you know, what I was saying about earlier on, that people have an impact, impact people in a negative way. It shouldn't be the case. You know, you shouldn't be out to destroy somebody or diminish them. And I just don't understand. A thought had come into my head the other day. And I said to my daughter that we're only on the planet for a short time, whatever period that may be, to be 100 years or, you know, whatever period, 50 years, 60, whatever, it might be 20, whatever. But whatever period we have in our life, why are people the way they are? Why can't they be just decent? You know, why? Because we've only got a short, you know, bandwidth. So why are we the way we are? Why why are some people the way we are? Now I refuse to be the that the the people the person the type of person that my ex in laws were or my ex my father was or my extended family are. That I refuse to be anything like that. I actually chose very carefully to be who I am now, which is I see myself to be honest, truthful transparent speak my truth and I've worked hard at that and I feel it's only because I've seen other people's negative behavior and I feel I don't want to go down that path I don't want to behave in that way I'm not going to harm anybody else let me live my life the way I want to live my life and let me have a nice ending so that when I die I don't look back at my life and think you're a you know you're a shitty person no I don't want to be that and I think you know, if you can grow to become something different and help other people grow to be something different is, is a good thing. Now, Kieran, there's a few things I, I want to ask you about. Now, when you mention uh, harming others by what you share and what you say, now I've struggled with this too, and I'm sure many do when they want to share their story, they want to do it in such a way, their motive is to help others. And they're they're worried that it's going to come across as wanting to cause revenge, like to wreak revenge, or they don't, they're afraid of the repercussions and the reactions from the people that they're calling out in these stories. Now, what I have understood and how I've managed to uh, deal with that hesitation to share is that I'm telling my story. This belongs to me. This was my experience. This is how I lived it. This is how I, how I, how it unfolded in my life. This was, this is my story. It's mine to tell. And others might not feel comfortable hearing it. Others may, even if they're part of that story and were a negative impact in my life and are that negative impact I'm sharing as part of my story and they don't appreciate that, that's on them. And I'm not causing them harm. My motive is not to cause harm, but my motive is to share my story. And if if and if they are seen in a negative light, then that's how I experienced my time with them or my interactions with them. And uh, you know, that's just what I, I've I've checked with people who write memoirs, uh, you know, different coaches and said, how can I tell this in a sensitive way that isn't coming across as vengeful? Now, that is something that we all struggle with. So how do you define, you know, what would be causing harm to others? If, if we're I think, telling, I think stories? if you named and shamed them, right? 
that's that's one way um i'm not naming and shaming them as you said dino okay so let's take two 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 scenarios you either don't say anything nothing changes you carry that to your grave and then you haven't caused a change in society you haven't caused a change nobody's learned from it so you take it to your grave or you tell your truth now i believe that i was so silenced for so long i wasn't allowed to tell my my part of the the story and because of other people's behavior they did what they did and i had to deal with the repercussions this is in revenge because it's so many years on now but the fact is i'm at the point in my life where you have to tell your story if you're going to be authentic if you're going to be real and you're going to be transparent you cannot tell your story if you're going to shy away from the 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 bad parts the unhappy parts the sad parts this that the other that isn't your truth that isn't you that isn't you being transparent that's not you being authentic you're putting another facade on right mm. this is a a, a a kind of a filtered person I don't believe in that I think at the end of the day it's all or nothing in a way that and you have to be brave enough to say it and I think it takes a long it does take courage to do that but I think I actually asked that question on my daughter the other day because on Shamelessly Untamed, which is telling my part of my story and I'm getting other people to tell their stories as well. But I said, oh, is this like, you know, is it this? The same question you just asked me. And my daughter said, no, because you're telling your truth. It was your story. It impacted you. It was yours to carry. No one ever found, you know, never, no one inquired how you went through it, how you felt about it, what impact it had on you, you know? People write memoirs, people write autobiographies, people write X, Y, Z, people make up stories to sell books. Mm -hmm. We're not doing that, any mm -hmm. of that. We are doing something to help other people understand that we understand them because we've been through it. And that's what being authentic is all about. When you understand somebody because you felt it. My tagline for Roaring Ahead is be brave, be strong, be empowered. Reason being, I had to be brave. I had to be strong and I had to become empowered. Now, that was a path I walked, painful path. But if I don't tell my story, no one's going to know anything. What, what makes me any different to anybody else? You know, I could make all of this up and, you know, but it doesn't, it's not me. I want to be who I am. I, I want to be the person I say I was, I have, you know, I've always wanted to be, which is truthful and honest. So let me be that. And if it's telling the stories of my past, then let me tell, I'm going to tell those stories. Nobody's going to stop me. <laughs> the fact is that I, you can't be authentic and you can't be transparent and you can't be real and you can't have a connection with somebody if you're going to put a filtered version of yourself out there. Oh, Kieran, it takes so much bravery and courage, exactly what you're speaking to. Because we have lived all those lives of invisibility because we were putting up that facade and filtering what, what we sh allowed others to, to see of what we were living. And to drop that is, is terrifying, but it feels so liberating when you do. And, you know, I, even my brother, um, I was talking to him in the last couple of years about some of what I'd experienced and we'd always been close and, you know, he'd see us at uh, all the family functions and, and, and many things. And he knew things hadn't been good. I'd been kind of open about it, but when he fully realized, he said, I, I understand why you want so much for, to, to share this story because anybody he knew saw me as I had it all together. I had a good life. I was, you know, I was came across as happy and positive and, and was involved in the community and the church and all of this. And it, they wouldn't have guessed. And so it's so important that he said others then who are in those bad situations will think, you know, wow, if, if it could have been happening to her, then they will acknowledge what was happening to them and they will find some bravery that they can get away. And that's, that's just, you know, another example and how, what we've created that filter 
that facade is not only harming us, it's also not allowing us to help others because we're we're downplaying, we're we're being invisible behind that screen, you know, saying, oh yeah, it's okay, it's okay, but but we're dying inside, you know, behind that. Another thing that I find we struggle with is trying to rationalize what we were living. And that that's part of that crazy making. If there's that uh, psychological abuse, you try and rationalize irrational behavior, like your, your ex-sister-in-law, there's no way to, to rationalize how, how this could have that extreme rudeness of a close family member. And then to try and understand like, why, why now is this, different like we can just waste so much energy trying to rationalize irrational behaviors and it, it, it's it's drained us and we always it comes back to us again that shame well and guilt I, I I guess I'm not understanding this or what am I missing or we just drive ourselves crazy trying to rationalize so much of this so I just commend you for the work that you're doing to to help others, to reach others with your message, to share and be vulnerable. It's, it's really an encouragement and an example that you're setting for so many to find that bravery, drop that facade, allow themselves to be visible. I'm, I'm really impressed with the work that you're doing and I'm excited to see where this is going to go. Well, I, thank you very much for that, Dina. It really means such a lot. And I think at the end of the day, you're only doing what you can, right? I mean, whatever time I have on this planet, if I can help, one person, two people, three people, then I've done a good job, right? I mean, it's more than what other people did for me, truly. You know, the people who are on my side now are my children, you know, and I I actually ask them before I do something, how does this sound if I said that story? And they go, it's fine, mom, it's your truth. It's your story. You talk about your truth, right? So why don't you just speak your truth then? And how they see it is entirely up to them. The fact is that you're putting a mirror in front of them if they ever get to hear. If they don't, it's not my problem because I'm not naming them. I'm not naming them. I mean, mm-hmm. If I write a book, I'm not naming them. Yeah. The fact is, you know, their behavior is other people are d- display the same kind of behavior. You know, we're not the only ones. And it's just there's so many people out there. And if we don't tell our stories, then nothing's going to ever get changed. You know, if we sit behind closed doors and, you know, shut ourselves out and keep silent, like we have the for all our lives, nothing's going to change ever. And I don't think that's right because, you know, people that didn't tell me anything in the in, in the past, but if I can help somebody, I think that's great. And I think now, I'll be honest with you, Dina, that I feel now that I'm supposed to be doing, I am supposed to be doing this work because God has made me be on this planet to do this work where I wasn't silent, where I was silent, sorry where I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have a voice. My voice is on the airways now, you know, it's it's on podcasts, it's on doing other people's podcasts. No one's going to silence me because God has put me there. And I just think this is the work I'm supposed to do. And it's my daughter was saying to me the other today, actually, like, mom, you are meant to do this. Isn't it funny that the people who silenced you for so long can't, <laughs> will have to hear you eventually. Mm-hmm. They'll hear you. And, you know, it's their stories. And I'm not making anything up. I wouldn't ever do that because I don't want to, you know, I'm not about being vicious and, um, you know, vindictive. I'm not about that. That isn't in my blood anymore. Like, it wasn't there before. But the fact is, it's not there. It's not, I don't want it to be there. I don't want any poison in, in my bloodstream. You know, I just want to be the person that I am. And I just think, you know, I just want to help others through what I've been through and if I can change somebody else's life or help somebody to understand their own life mm-hmm. then isn't that a great thing to be to do really well your caring heart does show and that speaks to your motive now something crossed my mind before we wrap up uh you mentioned about your childhood and I think that's commonality for many people is that becomes kind of their norm if you want to call it that that's that's what what they understand family is even though you knew something was wrong, you know, uh, that did kind of set the tone then for, for the future in a way to have more of that toxic environment. At some point, how would you feel 
if you're, I, I, I realize you would support them fully, but if your children then started telling their stories and, and sharing with others, like I'm thinking of myself too, what if my children were doing what I'm doing? I, I hope they would, but it would still feel, um, it, it would feel like another layer of healing that would be happening for the family to have, to have that next generation that we raised speak up and, and just share more of their perception of it and, and how, how it was for them that, that we stayed in that situation with them. Well, interesting enough. I mean, I made my children directors of my company reason being the work that I've started is that I want them to continue now as they mature and they find themselves come to their own in terms of their own truth because you know they're in their 20s and 30s I don't think even no matter who you have as a parent you're not at that stage you may not have that maturity you may not want to be as open um and I think once they get to a stage where they feel they can they will and they know I mean my my children say encourage me to speak out they go if you don't do it now when are you going to do it mom you know not when I'm dead because nobody's (laughs) going to hear me then right right so, so you speak out now, right? And we should, you know, so I think they will, if they do, that's great. But whatever they do, whether they don't do, they will still carry this forward. And I think that's great because I made sure that would happen because, you know, what we've started, we may not be here to see a change. We don't know. But the fact is the work that we've started can continue is the important thing yes and if your children are willing to take that forward because I say to my children well I actually kind of slightly threatened my mind this is your mother's this is your grandmother's legacy <laughs> this is my legacy <laughs> we continue it <laughs> um so uh, in a nice way and um so I do hope they do and they will because they they're actually very much part of the business now and they want to be very much part of the business going forward because they know at the heart of it all Dina it's about wanting to do right when others have done you wrong. And if if you want if you have that at your heart, then it then there's nothing wrong with what you're doing then. What a beautiful way to to put that. And I love that you have included them and that they will be carrying this on because their voice will resonate with others differently than how our voices resonate with uh, with those. How can people find you? Karen, where are some places that they can listen to your podcast and contact you and find you? Well, Dina, I'm all over social media. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, they can actually go through my websites, which is um, after50.com or roaringahead.com. And of course, the podcasts are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So there's two, you're not invisible after 50.com. Oh, sorry, you're not invisible after 50. And also Shamelessly Untamed, which is a new one. <laughs> so we're dropping series stars, episode three on, on Tuesday. So yeah. Fantastic. You. Well, people don't have to worry because I will have all your links in the show notes. So they will be able to find you. They can watch this interview on our YouTube channel and get to see your beautiful face and hear oh, right from right from you what it is that you have experienced. So thank you so much for being on the show, for sharing your story and offering the empowerment that you do to others out there who are are caught in toxic situations or trying to heal from them and create some change for the future. Well, thank you, Dina, for your generosity, for inviting me onto your podcast. Um, And I just feel that, you know, the fact is that I can speak my truth wherever I go. is an added bonus um and I think you know the more we speak out the more we say the more we can help people and I think you know I feel honored to be here and you know whatever I do with you know on any podcast I'm I just feel delighted and welcomed if you could give one line to anyone as a parting thought is there anything that you'd like to say um oh gosh Yes, I kind I of think, put you on the spot you, with that, but you have so much wisdom to offer. <laughs> I feel I'd like um, to leave everyone with with a thought. I think it's create a change in the world is is the one. Be the change in the world is the one. Love that. Thank you very much, Kieran. Oh, thank you. 
Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or a suggestion for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through divorce or separation. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com. The link is in the show notes. Our disclaimer, divorce resource groups, blog, and all content, including our podcast, is intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada does not constitute endorsements for nor liability for any claims made in the presenting of this information.